Hello and welcome to Two Defeats from a Crisis, the review show on Saturday at 3. My name's Andrew and I'm joined tonight to look back at the game against Kilmarnock with my good friend Iddy. How are you doing, man? Evening, yeah, I'm good, thanks mate. How are you? Yeah, okay. I think it's fair to say the mood has improved somewhat. Um, you know, it's amazing what a win will do for you. But unfortunately, we saw kind of kind of the similar themes to what we've seen over a lot of this season so far with our win over Killer. Yeah, um, I mean, we just touched on it off air. It's that age-old situation that we've had for a couple of seasons now, I would say, to be honest, where we can mm. either... We'll have some games where we're brilliant, but then the majority of the games we seem to only play for 45 minutes, which, you know, it's understandable that it's still in the squad, and we'll get into it more in depth when we discuss the game. But when you don't change the squad, there's no kind of real recycling over the squad over the years then you're going to keep the same mentality throughout that period aren't you same players so they're going to have the same mentality so it's no real surprise but we'll get into more depth oh definitely yeah so we had a change of lineup coming into this game from the uh, weekend's cup game uh we had you know Cantwell, jack and raskin back in Cholak starting up top as well apart from that we're kind of broadly the same but what did you make of the changes is that kind of just an admission from Beal that he got that wrong in terms of the old firm yeah, I, I think the midfield um, change is what everyone would expect and everyone wanted. And let's be honest, what everyone kind of wanted going into the, the League Cup final anyway. Um, I think Bill himself recognises once he made those changes in the game, it was a completely different game and a, a shift in energy. And it was, if he'd gone with any of the previous midfield in this match, well, Tillman aside, I suppose, but if he'd gone for a lunch from Kamara midfield this match, I think there would been a lot of negative energy within the stadium so it wasn't just a case of making the change for the starting 11 it was a case of making a change for the atmosphere of the game as well uh, very much needed was a bit surprised um to see Cholak coming in ahead of Morelos I, I wasn't disappointed um I like Antonio Cholak a lot I'm probably one of I think our pods kind of split 50-50 on that one if I'm honest um but I'm definitely firmly in the pro Cholak camp but I was surprised because Morelos, although for me personally, he didn't do an awful lot in the League Cup final up until he scored. I think his reaction after the goal kind of gave me the impression that he was out to to do something. Unfortunately, he came off not too far after that, um, but I had expected him to start this game. So seeing Cholak was a bit of a a surprise, but for me, quite a happy one because, like I say, I do like Cholak, um, so it was nice to see him start again. No, I completely agree with you, Dee. I think um, we, we obviously talked about it in more depth on the review from the League Cup final, but I think there was broad consensus that, you know, after that first goal that we got, Morelos was, looked like he was coming into the game, you know, being helped by that uh, more aggressive midfield. And then he comes back off, which probably in the heat of the game is maybe the right is maybe the wrong move to take there but yeah it, it was a bit of a surprise but I'm, I'm with you I like Cholak um and let's face it if he can't get a game against the 11th best side in this league then where's he gonna get a game you know so you know I, I was quite happy with that and yeah I, again with the midfield completely agree that that should absolutely have been the change because <laughs> the, the mood would have been poisonous if we'd gone with Kamara and Lundstrom again I think yeah, definitely. I mean, if I, like, so obviously I travel up for the games, and if I'd gone all the way up for that and then seen Lundstrom and Kamara in the starting lineup again, uh, you, you can imagine my mood wouldn't have been great. <laughs> Not that I want to, like, 
put forward like a negative atmosphere anyway apart from when uh, like as we discussed Arsenal conceded after 10 seconds to make me think my coupon was bust mm-hmm. um, but outside of that like it just would have been really deflating before we'd even got into the stadium for a, for a game that and I, I might get a bit of criticism for this but a game that was kind of difficult to get up for anyway yeah, uh, just because of last week, it, I, I, that, that's always that going to be inevitable, like, really. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. always going to happen after a cup final that you don't win. Yeah, and I'm sorry if that offends anyone. I know there'll be people out there saying you should be up for every game, but it is difficult, you know. At yeah. Times. Um, but you know, still went to the game. Um, but seeing those two, if they'd been starting, it would have made it a bit more difficult. <laughs> no, absolutely. So, again, you know, we're quite happy with the lineup. Uh, Killy are doing what Killy do. Uh, I think their changes from the previous game that they had were to take out a striker and a defender. Um, Leon, not Leon King. Uh, we've got a defender on loan to them who obviously couldn't play. Um, so they removed their defender and a striker for two defenders. So I think we know exactly what kind of game we're settling into from Derek McInnes there. Um, but I think when we kicked off, we, we looked up for it. You know, we were playing ball at pace. We seemed quite aggressive. And, uh, you know, only a few minutes in, we start getting a big round of applause around the stadium, which... You know, I, I thought we were playing quite well, not fantastically well, but the applause is actually in reaction to a banner from the Union Bears, uh, which I'm just going to read out in full. After 55 titles, you took your eye off the ball, time for change, which I think probably lines up with a lot of the things that we've been saying on this pod recently, recently which is that our board had an opportunity to capitalise after winning the title, and it so far doesn't look like they really grasped that opportunity fully. So I don't know what what was your kind of view on that, Eddie? What what's your opinion on the on the banner there? I think the banner is absolutely spot on. Um, you know, we had a real opportunity after fifty five to really stick our foot on the gas and kind of see Selic in the rearview mirror because they had a, a rebuild ahead of them. They'd been a club that had just gone through quite a bit of turmoil during that season, and we looked like we were on the ascendancy, but you know, for one reason and, and another, which we've covered on a multitude of times on a multitude of different podcasts, we just didn't take that advantage. And we seemed more content to try and sit still, almost as if the right were at the top. So we just need to sit here and, and let it play out from here, as opposed to the attitude that we should have been taking, which was, right, now we're at the top, we have to make sure we stretch our lead as much as possible and take advantage of this. Yeah, Absolutely. And, you know, anyone who's listened to this podcast for a while, this isn't going to be anything new, right? So I won't go on it too long, but I think it was worth pointing out because it did get a hell of a reaction from inside the, the ground. So, um, so yeah, worth noting for sure. Only a couple of minutes later, and Ibrook's got a lot more to cheer about. Uh, there's a corner from us, two blocked efforts from Campwell, and then Sakala makes a shot that's also saved. Connor Golton manages to get onto the rebound and he scores his first goal of 2023. Um, and indeed, I believe his first, no, his first goal of this year, but his second goal for the season overall. So fantastic. Exactly what we want to do to start. What was your kind of view of this one, Eddie? Yeah, it was good. It was uh, nice to get an early goal and it was nice to be the first team scoring for once, to be perfectly honest. Now, one thing to note from this as well, Cholak obviously gets a lot of criticism for not being great in the link-up play and not bringing much to the team as a, a result of that outside of if he's in the right place he scores but on that goal he's actually the one that tees it up for Campwell and um, unfortunately Campwell's first block shot is blocked and his second shot is blocked and then 
uh, Cholak's managed to work his way into a position to get the shot off again, um, which obviously was then blocked, but went out to Goldson and Goldson got the goal. So it was a it was great um, for Goldson positioning wise. Campbell was really unlucky, but Cholak provided a lot in that build up to that goal. So that shouldn't go missed. And I remember uh, as the game goes on, we'll talk about it more. But last night when uh, the information came out about Beale's post-match kind of conversation and he'd said that Cholak was his man of the match. I remember at the time thinking, I mean, he was, he was fine. I don't, I don't see man of the match in that, but actually as I'm watching the highlights and, and talking the game through, I'm starting to realize just how much he was involved in every aspect of the game. And obviously we'll come to the other goals as we get there. So actually, while Campbell was my man of the match and we'll discuss that man of the match conversation as well. Yeah. Um, that was an interesting one. <laughs> well, he was probably my man of the match. Beale's, Cholak show isn't that far out if I'm honest yeah and I mean uh, you know we'll, we'll come on to it I think a bit more in the second goal but we might as well talk about it now I think you know overall during this game Cholak did a lot here to kind of knit that attacking play together you know was very involved was laying off balls was doing a lot of the work that we typically expect from Alfredo Morelos so the, I think this talk about Cholak maybe not being a good fit for, for Beal's system and not fitting into it is maybe a little bit premature Admittedly, it's a different stand of opposition. It is Killy. Killy haven't won away from home at all this season. So, you know, keeping it all in perspective. But I completely agree with you. I think he was adding a lot there. And for a player who is not effective at, you know, knitting the attacking play together, he was pretty effective at knitting the attacking play together. Absolutely spot on. I mean, you're right. You've got to temper it with the fact that it was only Killy, but he can only play against who he's facing, can he? So the fact that he was involved in pretty much everything we did and was bringing players into the game um, just totally debunks the, the myth that he can't do it. Whether he always does it or not, it's a different story. But then at the same time, Morelos doesn't always bring what we want from Morelos. So, you know, players have hot days and, and cold days, and that's always going to be a case, especially like a club in Scotland because the league doesn't attract players who are just on it every single game because if they were on it every single game they'd be getting big money moves to richer leagues so mm-hmm. you know you have to expect that there will be these down kind of games but for me Cholak's a great player and, and this game kind of put to bed some of the myths that he can't do some of these definitely yeah and you can, I think you see the benefit of being coached by someone like Michael Beale as well. You know, he has been someone who's been able to motivate better performances out of certain players. And the improvement that we've seen with him in terms of integrating him more into our style of play is only a good thing. And that's ultimately what you want, right? Uh, you, need, you need to have that competitiveness within the team for the different positions. If Morelos thinks he's a guaranteed starter because Roof is perpetually injured and Cholak, you know, can't, can't do the business, then... What what motivation does Morelos have to try and perform any better? But if Cholak's knocking goals in for fun and helping to assist with the uh, with the play as well, you know it, it it forces the other players to to do more, and that can only be a good thing for us. Yep, absolutely spot on. It goes back to that conversation we had when we brought in Raskin and Campwell, and then mm-hmm. suddenly Kamara and Lundstrom had their best games of the season. You know, it, we discussed at the time saying, well, hopefully or. Well, I don't know if you want to say hopefully, but potentially it was a case of, you know, they didn't really have much of a challenge for those midfield spots. So, yeah, so hopefully it's subconsciously that's why they were having those bad games is because they weren't feeling challenged. Not a case of actively thinking, well, I'm not challenged, so it doesn't matter. But, you know, bringing a bit of competition and, and anyone suddenly picks their game up or should do anyway. Um, should do, yeah. And, yeah. So, you know, a, a 
fit and fire in Cholak is great for Morelos because it means that we're more likely to have a fit and fire in Morelos. Mm-hmm. Well, it adds to the options as well, ultimately. We'll come mm-hmm. on to it, but we did see, briefly at least, uh, both Cholak and Morelos playing up top as well. So it presents another option for us. And unfortunately, kind of as we discussed on the review show, this, this season probably does look like it's just going to be an opportunity for experimenting Michael Beale seeing what you can get out of the squad so it's all testing it out as we said uh, Chalak's helping knit together the play quite well but the next opportunity is actually set up by Ryan Kent uh, runs through tees up a sitter for Sakala but Sakala contrived somehow to put this one wide I think this one is as a result of pressure from both the defender and their keeper uh, I mean it's one of those ones that I turned to my dad and said, look, this this is harder to miss than it is to score. But I think he's unfortunate. I don't think it's bad play from him. And um, yeah, you know, it, it should have been two. But what, what was your view on that one, Eddie? In all honesty, I'll, I, I don't even think he should have been shooting. I think he should have been squaring it to Cholak. And I was absolutely foaming when he hadn't. <laughs> um, I was out in my seat shouting at him. And then you could see Cholak after it. He, he kicks the post straight after yeah. in yeah, anger. Yeah. And then when the ball goes down the field, he's shouting over to Sakala, pointing to his foot and showing that he had a basic tap in if he just squared the ball. And there's every opportunity. I mean, this happens right in front of me because where I sit in the governor rear, I'm right in line with pretty much where Sakala should have passed the ball, okay. um, like where he would have been when he should have passed it. So I had a perfect view for it. And I was absolutely foaming. Uh, I think we've mixed up on the two attacks here by the way I think the one that you're talking about the Ryan Kent to Sakala where he should have scored came after the one I'm talking about oh okay well yeah I mean I'm just thinking back because yeah yeah uh, the I think Sakala ball was a ball over the top I think you're talking about right, the, yeah. the cross from Ryan Kent where Sakala slides in mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yes yeah. equally he should have scored that and you're absolutely right it was harder <laughs> to miss than it was to score so this is where we're at. We've had a couple of opportunities for Scala, but he's not been able to do it. And as you say, Charlock is pointing out, here's how you do an assist. And then he demonstrates that very effectively. Cantwell puts a ball into the box. Killy failed to deal with it somehow. Cholak, lovely layoff for Scala, makes it easiest thing in the world. And uh, Rangers are 2-0 up. And what, we're, not, we're barely half an hour into the game. This is fantastic, right? Yeah, it was a lovely bit of link-up play by, as we pointed out, our non-linking up striker. Mm-hmm. It's um, funny, though, that you should say, like, use the term, he's saying to Sakala, this is how you make an assist, because up until that uh, actual assist, because we'll not count the first one, although secretly we will, but yeah. the, for an actual stat, I think that was his actual first assist of the season. Yeah, it's the second assist in our hearts, but it's the first yeah. assist on paper. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's where we're at. Um and we'll come on to his third assist as well. Again, this one might only be in our hearts, but we'll get on to that. So I think at this point, you know, it's worth breaking down how we're playing now. Uh, Raskin looks really effective in that kind of deeper midfield role alongside Jack. And Cantwell is doing the business. You know, for me, at least at this point, he was already my man of the match um, because of how well he was just driving the players forward and I think you could see that in terms of how we were setting up we, you know we were very aggressive in terms of the press we're sitting basically on the halfway line Jack or Raskin alongside Golson and Davis are basically sitting at the halfway line and everyone else is just in their box or in and around their box attacking 
that's how Rangers should be playing against pretty much every other side in the league. Hell, I'd say every team in the league if we're feeling a lot confident, but I'd take it against at least 10 of them, you know? Yeah, and I'm with you. Like, we should play like that every game, and be honest. I know we're not in a great run, but I think that's because a lot of the time we're showing too much respect. I mean, mm-hmm. we're not in a great run against that lot. Um, we show them too much respect, and we sometimes sit back and kind of let them play their game first. And we need to start taking games like that by the scruff of the neck and playing our game and making teams, you know, try and adapt to how we're playing. Like Michael Beale said um, mm-hmm. uh, not that long ago, you know, we need to make teams worry about how we're playing and not have us worry about how they're playing. Yeah, and I think we're we're seeing that in terms of how we impose ourselves on this game, at least. So that that's always going to be half, the thing. At least. Well, yes, in, indeed, indeed. So we'll come on to that second half. But, you know, at least for this half of football, we, we're showing what we can do when we're imposing our style of play onto them. If we allow Killy to play their game, it, it's a different story. So... You know, we're, we're still imposing ourselves in the game. And there's another couple of attacks, neither of which look particularly promising. But there's an incident in the box where Cholak and no one else spots what looks like a handball. I think it was a cross ball in from Tav. And um, I think it's Ken who's through on goal. Is that right, Eddie? Yeah, it's a ball over the top from Tav into Ken. Yeah. Um, Ken's kind of tussling with uh, the defender and then... Uh, or was it Kent that was tussling with him, or was it? I think I think it's Kent who's running through. Yeah, aye. So Kent, um, Kent's running through, and he starts tussling with the defender, and then it bounces up, and you know it looks. It doesn't look like anything really happens other than it might go out for what could potentially be a corner or a goal kick. I'm not sure who had no. the last touch. And then you're right, Cholak suddenly starts running over a column, shouting at him <laughs> and pointing to his arm, and gets right in his face. And then all of a sudden, you know, everything kind of slows down and. It does. It takes a couple of minutes before this one actually happens because yeah. I'm pretty sure we we get the corner, take it, nothing comes of it, and play continues for a bit. So but then in, about in a the minute crowd, later, sorry, when I'm saying everything kind of slows down in the crowd because we're all like, hang on, is that a handball? Is that not a yeah. handball? But you're right, and then it becomes a a corner, and I'm saying to them, it doesn't matter. Like if it's a penalty, it'll be looked at, and this is mm-hmm. kind of every time we have a. a shout for a handball or whatever and then it's not given straight away and the crowd start getting a bit agitated I'm, I'm always now just like it's all right if it is it'll get looked at we're fine um mm-hmm. but then play went on for quite a while and i was like well, it must not be then and then i can't remember how the ball ended up going out i know campwell kind of um hurt himself during that build-up play didn't he yeah yeah, yeah. And he, then, he goes down injured and i think killy just knock it out yeah and then it gets looked at and then uh so well, I was quite surprised when it eventually starts to get looked at by VAR. Cause... So this is the thing. Column has to go over to the monitor. And almost always when we've seen that in a VAR review, ref goes over to the monitor. Yeah, you know, yeah. something something's happening, right? Um, and then, yeah, uh, after review, um, Rangers are awarded a penalty. And... This is my only problem with VAR, though, right? Mm-hmm. Because rightly or wrongly, the rule is that they only have that kind of full-on discussion once the ball's gone out of play or whatever. Mm-hmm. So we've ended up playing on, and potentially we could have ended up with a serious injury to Campwell. I mean, it's Rangers, so any time a player well, yeah. goes down, I kind of assume it's a serious injury now. <laughs> Whereas, really, surely that should just call call for like a kind of halt in play? I don't know, because I suppose you can make the argument, well, if it's not really something that needs looked at and it stops a, an attack or whatever. It's a difficult one. I suppose it's, it's a, a topic for another day. But yeah, because it took so long to be looked at, and because of the play on um, situation, Cantwell gets a bit of an injury. And then actually it turns out that it was a penalty and 
you've kind of lost about three minutes of the game. Yeah, and I, th- I think from the TV replays afterwards, it is quite clear, you know, the guy's holding his arm out like he's Superman, which I, th- I think it's fair to say is a bit of an unnatural position in the box, and yeah. it-, it hits him in the arm. So th- there's no kind of question there as-, as to whether it is or isn't a penalty. Um, I agree with you. It's just the fact that it took so long to actually get looked at properly. Um, Tav steps up, takes a penalty. We all know how that one goes, and it's 3-0 to Rangers, right on the stroke of half-time. Pretty ideal first half of football, really, Eddie. Yeah, at that point, I'm sitting there thinking, oh, this could be quite a good one. I'm starting to think back to the game against Hamilton when we scored eight and thinking, oh, can we can we get a similar result to that? So, yeah, I, to say I was uh, happy at the end of the first half and expecting a, a really exciting second half is uh, kind of the way things were going. But, you know, what you expect and what you get aren't always the same thing. You can't always get what you want today. I believe a famous uh, philosopher called Rolling Stone said that. Um, <laughs> so, Unfortunately, we see in the second half what we've seen a lot of times from Rangers, which is we don't really turn up. As we said about this off-air before we started talking, at least the fact that it happened in the first half meant that when we kind of dropped our tempo, dropped our possession and allowed Killy to get back into the game, we at least had three goals in terms of a cushion to, uh, to hang on to. So we don't appear to be imposing ourselves on the game at all anymore. I think the lads have assumed, well, hell, we're three goals up. This is one's one. Derek McInnes, against all you know previous conception of him, actually goes quite attacking. John Jones comes on, and for a time, Killier actually pressing us. I think some of this is us allowing them back into the game right enough, but they do go for it to an extent. And I suppose at 3-0 down, that's probably the time to do it. So yeah, Rangers uh, are not playing well at all this second half. Uh, Killy get a, a chance they really should bury to to pull one back. And then they manage to get a corner. There's a bit of a scramble in the box. Alan McGregor, I do not think, covers himself in glory at all here. And um, yeah, Killy uh, pulled one back. Yeah, so the Killy goal, it was really kind of disappointing to see, to be honest, because it's that same situation of, you know, we seem to concede goals from corners because we don't defend them and we've got a keeper. Now, Al McGregor's had a good couple of weeks for saves, um, to be honest. I know we've lost a cup, uh, the game against Celtic and that, but he, he pulled off a couple of saves and it could have been a bigger scoreline at that point. So he hasn't been that bad lately. But in, it was that age-old thing of like a corner and he just doesn't, like you said, doesn't cover himself in glory. He comes out and he kind of, goes for that punch but doesn't seem to really punch anywhere near the ball and then he goes down almost like he's trying to claim he was fouled I'm not sure if it was a foul or not but almost like he's trying to say well that's the reason why I punched absolutely nowhere near the ball Tav I think kind of stops playing um, and is screaming for the the foul now it's all within a split second like but you know he kind of did that thing where he doesn't really play to the whistle um, and then Kiliev scored so you know, if they hadn't missed that sitter not long before it, we could potentially at that point be 3-2 and what was a comfortable 3-0 lead starting to look like a nervy position to be in and we're kind of looking almost to have to see the game out. Yeah, uh, yeah. it's safe to say that we didn't cover ourselves in glory for the second half at all, really. Uh, the game uh, kind of continues. Neither side makes much of an opportunity and it does almost look as though we're seeing it out. I can't really think of too many more opportunities that Killy had. We did have one or two, 
later on. Uh, Cholak had a header that was quite close range. Ryan Kent also had an opportunity, but an offside flag kind of denies him anything there. We do see a few late substitutions, and I think I, I want to pick out a couple of performances here because as good as I thought Raskin was in that first half, in the second half, he just looked knackered. And I don't know if that's down to a lack of football or you know the tempo of the game that we were asking him to play in the first half or what, but unfortunately, I'm in the bad position where I have to say, we started looking better when John Lundstrom came on to replace Nico Raskin. And something about me just feels dirty saying that. But, you know, <laughs> what? how about you, uh, Illy? What, what was your take on the, uh, on the subs there? I mean, to say we were looking better is a bit of a stretch. We were looking yeah, slightly I mean, we're, worse. If we grade on a scale there, let's say. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was surprised. Raskin really struggled that second half. Now, before everyone starts jumping down my throat, I'm not slagging off Raskin, I'm not saying he's a bad player at all. Near enough, 75, 80% of what I've seen of him so far, I've been really, really impressed. But the second half, I felt he really struggled. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's going to happen. He's a young player that's come over from Belgium into a league that he's never played in. And, you know, it's probably, I, I don't, I'm not going to try and pretend like I, I know what goes on in the Belgian league, but I'm fairly certain it's not that 10 men behind the ball every week that he's going to experience here in Scotland. So he's going to have to learn to adapt to that. And I've got every confidence that he'll be able to because he looks like a a great prospect. But that second half, he struggled big time. Yeah. And um, I I mean, it's disappointing, but as you say, it's going to be natural, right, for for these younger players. And certainly, I don't think that is an excuse for the rest of the team. I think collectively, Rangers decided... We've won this now, so so we're all good. Uh, I think the disappointing thing was that Michael Beale didn't do much to change that earlier on. We we do get, as we discussed uh, earlier, the sub of Sakala off and Morelos on. So we do get that kind of spell where we have Morelos and Cholak both playing together up top. I, I, it could be interesting. I think it, it's something that's worth looking at. Um, especially if we do have any hopes of signing on Morales for another season. There's another pod entirely about whether that is likely or not, but it's an interesting notion for the remainder of this season, at least, to see how well that works together. And then two minutes into added on time, we get a triple substitution where we have Scott Arfield, who's coming back from injury, Yanis Hadji, who's coming back from injury, and a certain John Suter, also coming back from injury. Um I mean, it's nice to see him, but genuinely didn't think we'd see him ever again in a Rangers shirt. So this is a nice, pleasant surprise to see Suter again. Yeah, it was great. Um, when I was travelling up to the game, my mate had said, "Oh, you know, Suter might be in the match day squad, or might be in like the the kind of on the bench because um, he was in the squad or up for selection." And I was like, "Nah, I can't, I can't see that. Surely they'll play him like you know." 20, 30 minutes in a B team before they start sitting him on the bench, kind of getting back into the swing of things. So when I saw that he was on the bench, I thought, oh, well, that's that's nice. And it'll get him back into the routine of being part of the match day squad. But when he came on, um, it's just, it's pleasing to see someone with who's, you know, kind of struggled with some injuries, getting back on the field. And, and hopefully it's, it's just a sign of things to come. And he starts to get himself back to being match fit and is able to kind of contribute to the squad and give the manager something to think about um, between him and Davies to partner alongside Goldson. 
Yeah, and I think with uh, with James Sands, rest in peace, my sweet American boy, uh, with him leaving back for New York, then our defensive options are pretty much Golden Davis, uh, Suter, and then Leon King. So to be fair, I think even if he hadn't gone back to New York, that would have been our defensive option. Yeah, no, quite quite right, Eddie. But you know, he's an American. I've got to defend him somewhat. But listen, you, I'm you still are... defending Ramsey a year on, so I'm with you on that one, mate. That, that's a longer road to hoe there. <laughs> there's, there's more damage been done by him. Still defending him, and I've given up on Matondo. <laughs> I think I was one of well, the first off the Matondo train, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> Matondo's disappeared off the face no, of the earth. I feel so. bad for Matondo. I'm not, I, I can't defend him because he hasn't got to defend, but I won't. I, I feel bad for slacking him. He doesn't. That. He's got time yet. True, true. I mean, we've seen him play for, what, two games so far? So maybe. We'll never know. Uh, but yeah, we we, uh, we see the game out eventually. Uh, not as comfortable as I think it could have been after that first half, but ultimately, you know, it's a three-one win over Killy at home. I think, as me, Scott, and Chris talked about in the preview for this, it's just what we expect more than anything else. But still, good to get over the line, and we don't have to call this podcast just crisis as opposed to two defeats from crisis, which is what it is. Tonight. So that's positive. But yeah, how about you, mate? Yeah, I am glad after it's you know it's difficult enough when it's just um, two people trying to record a pod. But if we if we'd lost, even if we'd yeah. drawn, this would have been even harder. Um, so yes, uh, it was a a routine victory, shall we call it? Yeah, it could have been yeah. could have been more comfortable, but also equally it could have been a bit more nervy. So I'll, I'll yeah. take it. I think in terms of the the performance overall, it's a very good like comfortable first half. We're poor for at least 20 minutes, if not more, in that second half. And then after that, we just kind of settle into it. Neither team really goes for it after that point, And we just kind of settle into to call it there. The only thing that was really particularly controversial is that in the stadium, the man of the match is announced as Ben Davis, which uh, was a bit of an off choice for me. Todd Cantwell was the one who got it on Rangers TV. Um and I think, as we spoke about before, Eddie, that'd be your view as well. Yeah, I was absolutely shocked. Like, my mate that was sitting next to us, for the last kind of 20 minutes, we were like, I Campbell's been superb. Campbell's man of the match. It's it's bound to be Campbell. And then all of a sudden, like, we'd made the joke. I actually had kind of joked, oh, I wouldn't be surprised, even though he's had a struggle in second half, um, for it to be announced as Raskin, just because the sponsors want to meet him. Mm-hmm. And then they announced Ben Davies now, no offence to Ben Davies, he, he was fine. He didn't do anything yeah. outstanding, he didn't do anything massively wrong. He was fine. He wasn't man of the match. And I'm also not <laughs> entirely sure why the sponsors would pick him just to meet him either. So I'm not yeah. sure if they've just panicked when they've been asked. <laughs> I mean, knowing some of the people who go to hospitality uh, and the kind of state that you might be in at that point, uh, it's entirely possible they were handed a team sheet and just tried to pick out the first number that looked clear to them. So... That might be why we've ended up with Ben Davis, but hey, it is what it is. And hell, it's a nice award for him to have as well. Because uh, like you say, I did, he didn't play particularly badly. I can't think of any of our players, in fact, who had a particularly atrocious game, apart from, as we said, Raskin in that second half. Even at that, yeah, I think the first 45 balances out fairly well. So, so yeah, you know, it is what it is. Cantwell, for me, I agree. That was my man of the match, for sure. Yeah, I thought Cantwell was, was really, really good. Um uh, it was good to see as well because I think he's he's been okay in the couple of um, brief appearances we've seen of him and the one game that he started, but I don't think he's done anything kind of 
really to say, oh, yeah, that's why we've brought him in. Now, not saying he did that against Kilmarnock, but it was good to see him kind of on that ascendancy and start to put in a yeah. real shift and get used to and get comfortable playing alongside his teammates. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. Uh, post-match then, uh, we have the interviews from, from Michael Beale. He was very pleased with the first half, naturally. Uh, thought we had dropped at the start of the second and then picked back up. He was very pleased with Cholak, as you said. Um, like he said. I believe he said that Cholak was his man on match. So that was obviously great um, and was pleased with the three in midfield who came in as well. So again, I think a bit more contrition that that League Cup choice was was the wrong one to make. He also uh, touched on a couple of injuries there as well. Tillman, he said, wasn't risked and probably would miss the uh, the game that we have coming up on Wednesday against Hibs, but should be fine for Wraith Rovers uh, in the Cup this weekend. So, sorry, just I didn't actually realise he'd said that. He wasn't risked mm-hmm. and we're not going to risk him against Hibs to keep him fine for Wraith Rovers. I mean, I guess so. Yeah. Does he have a knock? Is that what he's saying? Like he's got a knock, yeah, a bit of a knock, right? Okay, I, I'm not sure if I kind of just missed the, that part of the context because I was like, if he's got a bit of a knock, fair enough. But if it was just yeah. a case of, we're just, I think, and I think that was the uh, the issue that we had with him in the League Cup as well, where he, yeah, he yeah. probably wasn't 100% but came in anyway. Um, so yeah, he's obviously out the firing line for this one. And I think I'd probably rather play him against Tibbs and then rest him against Rafe Rovers. Well, it, it depends what kind of game you think we're going to get up at Easter Road, but that, that's obviously a discussion point for the for the preview show. Yeah. But yeah, you know, the only thing you can think is he might get the shit kicked out of him at Hibs, whereas Wraith probably won't do that, but it's Wraith, so who knows, right? You're vastly underestimating what Wraith planned to do in that game. <laughs> Just come out with the largest lads and try and break some kneecaps. Yeah. Um, anyway, that, that's for the discussion on our next podcast, previewing the Hibs game. Uh, there was also another update that uh, Alex Lowry, uh, who you know we all had high hopes for, I think, at the start of the season, he's out for another four weeks, still injured. So, you know, not that we've got our injury ways to seek, but he unfortunately remains another one who's, uh, who, whose injury continues to keep him out of the opportunity and out of the running there. One thing so, we should really look at, never mind like signings, that... They'll come. We've got a few months before the window opens. We should probably spend the next month looking to bring in some medical team. Because <laughs> quite clearly, we do not have one because every player gets injured and then just suffers setback after setback after setback. Yeah. I, I don't remember the last time we had a player get a bit of a knock and then come back before we expect them or even come back when we would expect them. Yeah, it does seem to be every other week when we get the injury updates. It's, oh yeah, X player's had a setback. He'll be out for another two months. And we're running out of games at this point. <laughs> so, Lawrence. He never had an injury until he came here. I know. Got, got a knock, wasn't really reported on, then was out until the World Cup, then was out till after the World Cup, and then had a breakdown and ended up with an Achilles injury. I mean, there's nothing more Rangers than that. I remember pre-World Cup where it seemed like almost every player apart from Phil Hollanda was going to be back after the World Cup. That was going to be our magic injury curry period. And then uh, I don't think anyone really came back after that. And in fact, we lost Cholak during that period to an injury. So, yeah, it's um, it's obviously one that I think we probably should discuss um, in more depth. Uh, on a separate pod but yeah just disappointing unfortunately um you know for for a couple of our youth players who had probably a, a shot of getting some game time especially where we are in the league now Lowry and um and I think McCrory as well both of whom 
have been in positions where we have needed players or we've had we've needed options there both of them have picked up injuries which have kept them out of the running there and that's that's got to be frustrating for you as a young player because your your opportunities to make an impact are going to be quite limited so that has to be frustrating but it's disappointing for us as well because you know there's nothing more exciting at rangers than seeing a young player break through it's just unfortunately that's that rare yeah and it like you like you kind of point out it's you know finally get high hopes for someone i mean we had a lot of high hopes for Parson when he came in. He did great, mm-hmm. but obviously that was a, a short period and then he was able to move on um, and get us quite a substantial fee considering. And then the next one up was Lowry and, you know, a lot of high hopes. What we'd seen, it looked really good. Like you say, coming into this season, we were like, right, we'll start to see a bit more of him and a bit more of Charlie McCann. Um, obviously, Charlie McCann didn't work out, but Lowry, unfortunately, just seems to have picked up a, quite a number of injuries over the course of this season there was obviously that horrendous tackle in the, the b team game that kept him out then for quite a while and then questions around attitude you know i'll not delve into them because i don't know whether they're true or not that's not for me to kind of speculate on um and then again there's another injury so it is a shame Um i'd love to see him start to be part of the match day squad a bit more and hopefully get a role to play in the team because like you say you know it's great signing players but if you can bring through one of your own then it's even better definitely definitely so we will leave it there uh comfortable 3-1 win in the end we will have a preview show just fucking win which will be up before the hibs game on wednesday again hibs against rangers and celtic are taking on hearts that's the top four teams in the league None of those games will be on TV. So our wonderful deal at Sky continues to pay dividends. But the coverage will be available if you decide to take a short holiday on Rangers TV. Um, and I'm sure other options will be available to the enterprising uh, searchers on the internet. So we'll give you a preview of that. And then afterwards, we will have a review as well as a preview of our cup tie against Wraith Rovers probably realistically our best chance of winning silverware now this season. So thank you all for listening. Um, I thank my co-commentator, my whose team is it anyway, brother, Idi. Thank you, man. Appreciate you coming on. No, thank you, Andrew. It's uh, always nice to come on and record these pods after a win. Not so much after a loss, but definitely after a win. Completely agree. Hopefully, long may it continue. We'll see how we go. This is Rangers after all. Thank you to everyone for listening. Uh, we are on, I think, pretty much every social media platform going now. Uh, we've got Facebook, we've got TikTok, we've got YouTube, we've got Twitter. Any way that you want to listen to the podcast, whether it be Android, Spotify, Amazon Music, we've got the lot. If we don't have any, please let us know. And Idi, I normally fill in this one for Chris, but I'll let you do it as you're on. How can people get in touch with us? Yeah, so if anyone wants to get in touch with us, they can email us at contact at saturday at three.co.uk the saturday at three is all letters and um, no numbers and yeah just drop us an email if there's anything you want to hear and you want um discussed on any podcasts or if you have any ideas for podcasts or you want to come on one just drop us an idea we're open to any lines of conversation definitely definitely so thank you again all for listening we encourage you to like share subscribe tell our friends let them know uh, every little helps for us. Also worth pointing out that the little interview that we had with Jers Food Banks uh, just before the old firm game, uh, that's continuing. Uh, what we'll be doing is uh, retweeting and mentioning that every time they have a, another donation drive. They're doing that every month. It's a worthy cause. Uh, 
you know, obviously helping out folk who are less fortunate. So we'd encourage folk to do that. And then if you feel like it, you can help us out as well by liking, following, sharing, subscribing, all that good stuff. So thank you again for listening. My thanks again to Eddie. And we'll talk to you again soon. Cheers for now.